Welcome to Life on Less Meds, a podcast that reveals the truth about drug side effects and the best strategies to manage them. And now your host, Dr. Yosef Wittering. Hi, I'm Dr. Yosef Wittering. Um, it's my pleasure to welcome back Nicole uh, Lamberson. Um, and today we're going to be talking about, um, I guess, two topics, you know, how to get a doctor to help you with a taper if you, if you need to do an ultra, you know, a slow taper. And I guess some of the problems that uh, people encounter when they're, you know, looking to find doctors and people help them uh, to, and to help them do this and, and strategies to help uh, you overcome this. So, yeah, that's the, that's the topic, you know, welcome, Nicole. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. So um, I want to start mm-hmm. by asking you something. And that is when we talk about this topic of finding a doctor, finding a provider, because uh, it doesn't have to be a doctor. It could be a PA or a nurse practitioner um, or a psychopharmacologist, depending on where you live. Why do you think that so many people come forward and have trouble with this? Like in the com- the withdrawal communities, we hear all the time, like, I went to my doctor and I asked for help tapering or I told him I was having a hard time coming off or and he wanted to like control it and tell me to come off in four weeks and I would be fine or he didn't want to hear anything about it um why do you why do you think there's just so much like resistance to the topic in general when you bring it up to your physician sure yeah um okay so I guess I'd I'd start by saying that the way most physicians and and you know prescribers were trained when they were in medical school was that you know when you're coming off a of benzodiazepine the withdrawal lasts you know two months something like that max you know most of it's gone in the first two weeks when you're coming off an antidepressant you know this is something that lasts three weeks or something like that um uncomplicated that is the message that they've been heard and the reason that they've heard that message is the clinical research supporting that came from the trials that we use to get the drugs onto the market. And, you know, what we know about those is, is most of them only went on for, you know, four months, something like that, max, maybe there's 500 people in there, or maybe, you know, up to a thousand. And so when they actually discontinued those participants from the drugs, they'd only been exposed for like four months. And a lot of them really did have uncomplicated withdrawals and, you know, they they didn't have any issues. Um, Well, you know, it's uncomfortable, but they recovered pretty quickly. And so, there's a lot of publications out there about that. And that's also a, um, you know, for a pharmaceutical company who is selling antidepressants, um, one of the biggest concerns that, you know, physicians would have asked them is, you know, is this a big deal? You know, do, do patients have, you know, these horrific withdrawals when they come up, come off and, and they would have had a whole team of, you know, medical affairs correspondents who are out there publishing this stuff saying, you know, it's called a discontinuation syndrome. It's self-limiting, you know, it recovers quickly because that is addressing the concern for the physician. But the issue is um, that's not, you know, that that population that was in that study is not representative of the people these days. You know, many people are on these medications for decades. And so it does not make sense, you know, to, you know, that that same kind of rapid withdrawal would work. Um, but there's a ignorance about it out there and people just assume, Oh, you know, this was, you know, I've read this in the medical literature and that looks like, um, you know, you know, it's very credible. It's got like an author line listing of the top people in the field. I'm just going to go with it. So yeah, ignorance is, is probably the main reason why people are getting pushed. Um, and mm -hmm. 
And maybe there's just some, I mean, doctors and PAs and nurse practitioners are, they're just people, right? And so just like you encounter people of all different personalities in your life and everything else, there's, I feel like there's doctors and medical providers who are just more open, more critically thinking, more willing to, you know, be patient and compassionate. And maybe some others who are just like more impatient, they don't want to deal with it. Or so that's kind of like you as the the patient, the consumer um, sort of is left to, you know, have to, to deal with that. And if you get somebody who's more on the impatient side, or who just isn't willing to change their thinking. I think that's what we're going to talk about next is like how to, how to work Mm -hmm. through that if that's what you're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. I think, you know, anxiety can play a big role. You know, if, 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 if you have a provider that's very anxious and maybe kind of very defensive in the, in the way that they practice medicine, they're going to want to follow the guidelines. They're going to want to do what is in that publication that's been supported by, you know, all of these well-known authors. And if you tell them to stray from that, then they go, you know, that's not for me. No, thanks. You know, I just want to be in this little box and practice here. And that's where I feel comfortable. And that, and that's not going to be the right person mm-hmm. for you. If you, if you, if you're having a complicated new adverse reaction type issue and you need and to come off, they're not going to really be able to help you with that. Um, and I guess the next thing, uh, you know, Nicole, you mentioned like, you know, how to get, you know, transitioning to how to get your doctor to help you. Um, I think what I would say is like, you know, don't be, you know, don't, don't go in there and be very like kind of confrontational and come in and, and say, say something like, you know, no, all of you doctors are the same, you know, you just kind of put people on this stuff and you don't realize how bad it is and you've ruined my life. And, and that might be true. And I don't want to diminish the fact that a lot of people do feel that way. And that has happened. You know, they've been unwisely prescribed these medications for long periods of time and it has caused damage. But um, it's it's not really the way that you would coax someone into helping you because, uh, you know, like Nicole was saying, and I, I guess like I was saying before, the, you know, these are just people out there. And I don't, I don't think there's any malice going on. It's It's really just an ignorance about it. So if you can yeah. come in and um, I guess what I would say is, you know, educate them about it and, um, you know, what you're suffering from, you know, whether it's protracted benzo withdrawal or, um, you know, a problem with an antidepressant, if you can start by educating them, um, that's that's always a good place to, to begin. Yeah, I can attest to the coming in guns blazing, just being so angry. I did that with the the doctor that was my prescriber. I mean, I wasn't mean or, you know, horrible, but I was very much confrontational. Like, I think I'm having benzodiazepine withdrawal. It's right here. You know, I brought my dad with me. And I think probably what she saw in her mind was like, oh, crap, lawsuit or something, you know, and I was fired as a patient immediately. I got a letter like a couple days later in the mail And so maybe in cases like that, like you can't work with the doctor who, who did this to you, if it's too, you know, emotional Mm. or that kind of thing, you may have to, to find somebody else if it's like that triggering or they're on the defense because they're the ones who were prescribing. But I have met people who did go back to their prescriber and it was kind of like a, 
you know, a forgiveness type thing. Like you didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. And then they apologize and sort of work together to solve the problem too. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, And that can be, well, actually I want to ask, what was the rationale for firing you when they sent you the letter? I mean, did they say like, yeah, well, oh, I, don't th- I don't think I'm able to help you anymore. You know, something like that. Or yeah, I don't. I have the letter in my closet. Yeah. I'll have to go back. I kept it because it pissed me off so bad. But yeah, um, I think I had missed an appointment because I had agoraphobia so bad from being mm-hmm. in cold turkey withdrawal. Like I couldn't leave the house. You know, so like I had missed an appointment, but I managed to go to this other one, and my dad took me. And he sort of said to her, like, I don't think you're supposed to keep people on benzos for five years, you know, and then she just sort of started getting all flustered and the whole thing got weird after that. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say uh, that's been known, you know, since like the 80s, by the way, you know, they, they're not yeah. meant to be used long term. Um, yeah. So there, there really isn't a lot of uh, good excuses for that unless... I mean, you've tried like a million other things and it's like the only thing that allows you to function. But yeah, um, com- coming. Oh, sorry. You going to sign it, Nicole? I was just going to add to your part about like when yeah. coming in with information too, I would just add like a an asterisk on that to say, keep in mind that providers have a limited time. And so I've seen patients who are just so you know, they want the doctor to know everything and you've got what, like 10 or 15 minutes. So if you come in with, you know, printed out stacks of every journal article you can find and you want them to watch an hour long interview with somebody and videos and like, you're probably going to be disappointed because they're just not going to have time for it. So like maybe prioritizing the information that you're going to bring to them and sort of condensing it into something that they can, you know, sort of easily consume in a reasonable amount of time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe a good example of that would be, you know, say you have a benzodiazepine injury, you know, you've, you've, you know, you've developed, uh, you know, you, you were rapidly tapered and now you're back on the same dose. I mean, the, the first thing I think to justify that, you know, Hey, I need to do a slow taper might be, I actually think I've developed, you know, protracted withdrawal and Oh, by the way, you know, here is a drug label, it's a fairly newly recognized side effect. It only came out a couple of years ago and you could just like highlight a little section in the drug label and say, you know, as you can see, you know, I have, I have these, these symptoms now and, you know, there's, there's something called the Ashton manual that's out there, which is, you know, essentially recommends a slow taper. And I think that might be something good for me. You know, it would be, you know, 5% cuts every, you know, three or so weeks, you know, I could work with a compounding pharmacy. Do you think you could support me doing this? You know, so that's, that might be a simple way of doing it for benzo injury. Antidepressant uh, protracted withdrawal is kind of more complicated because it's not recognized by any regulators. And there's also less, um, I don't know, I, maybe this is not true anymore, but I feel like um, there, there's less in the medical literature about about this, but there's still a fair amount. So the, the way you might go about that is, you know, I think I have, uh, you know, uh, you know, I've tried to come off my antidepressant. I developed all these symptoms. I think I'm developing this post-acute withdrawal. Um, you know, there's this article um, by, you know, I think it's um, Adele Farmer. Um, 
And I think that, that, and we'll put a link to this below, but this was published in the Therapeutic Advances in Psychopharmacology. And the title is What I've Learned from Helping Thousands of People Taper Off Antidepressants and Other Psychotropic Medication. And it's really well referenced. And you could just say, you know, there's more publications about this and there's other people having this problem. And really what I'm looking for is someone who could, you know, support me with a slow taper through a compounding pharmacy. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, roughly 5% cuts every three to four, you know, weeks. And, um, and that might just be where you leave it, you know, not kind of overwhelming them, but say, you know, I've got some stuff. If you want to look at it, you can, if you do a lot of people, I think if you just say it, they might just say, yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about showing up with, you know, a spreadsheet, like this is how I plan to do it. This is what I plan. You know, I've done some research online and this is what it's going to look like. What do you think about this? Or do you think, you know, that that's too, uh, like some doctors would be offended by you having a plan in place already? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I might do it reflectively if they, if they ask for one, but I feel like, you know, in this day and age, like I could just see someone just groan, you know, if you handed them this thing, just like, oh, you know, like I don't have time to read this, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so, yeah, I, I I would just keep it pretty pretty high level, um, yeah, and then, um, you know, there's Cause some, there's because some doctors yeah. are are well, you tell me if you've encountered this too. I I feel like some are a little more scared too of some of the more non-conventional ways of tapering that patients have come up with, you know, off-label type, oh, well, I'm going to make a a mixture uh, in my kitchen with, you know, water or whatever versus like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that, that's true. I I think the compounding pharmacy sounds like the, the least threatening than, oh, I'm going to do dry cuts or I'm going to go do this liquid taper. Um, and you may need to do that eventually, like a liquid taper. That that That's a necessity for some people, but I would just start with uh, working with a compounding pharmacy first. I think that, you know, it's, it's going to the pharmacist, you know, they're, you know, doing it to certain specifications. I think that's like, seems the, the least unusual because a lot of doctors do have experience with compounding pharmacies when they make creams and different ointments and things like that. So yeah, that's probably a good place to start. Yeah. Well, there, there's probably a difference too between patients who like took benzos, for example, for some physical problem, like, you know, Dr. Christy Huff, her story is out there and she had like dry eye or something, you know, Versus somebody who is, has been seeing a psychiatrist and who is diagnosed with a mental condition, whether they believe that they truly ever had that diagnosis or not, right? Because there a lot of people present and say, well, I, I don't think I really even had that and I just got over-medicated or the, that the drugs caused them to have psychiatric symptoms. But do you think it's harder to convince, you know, a psychiatrist that you want to come off of your meds because of the whole, like you're coming off of your meds and then what are you going to do about your mental condition versus somebody who's just taking that for like back pain or something? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if you, if you have like a psychiatric condition and you're stable, I, I don't think it would cause as many problems if you, you know, if you're like 
honestly, Doc, I don't feel like this is working for me at the moment. I still have depression and anxiety, but I think it's manageable, you know, with family support, you know, I think I, I'll, I'll be okay. You know, if you're working with a counselor, throw that in as well. And, you know, really, I'm just looking for someone to help support me discontinue this. I mean, they should support you on that because, you know, essentially you're no longer consenting to be on the medication and you just want to come off. It's a different story and you're going to get resistance if like, you you know, you keep on saying like, I'm, you know, I'm suicidal and, you know, I'm really unstable. And so, so that's going to raise more red flags. And a lot of people, you know, if you're in these protracted withdrawal, like phases, I mean, you might feel like that genuinely. And then, and then, that's when like the education piece becomes really important and and you would need to say, you know, the, the way I'm feeling now, I actually, you know, I don't think this is my underlying condition and here's why. And, and that's when you need to say, again, you know, here's the FDA label, you know, this was updated for all of them. As you can see, I've, I've got, you know, cognitive impairment, paras, you know, sensory abnormalities. I have, you know, neuropathic pain, which is new kind of all emerged like right after I had, you know, an abrupt withdrawal. So I think it's temporarily linked. And um, this is just completely different from my previous condition. Um, you know, bring a family member along, you know, you know, my, my wife is here, you know, she can attest that this is actually what's happening. And I've had a real change in my condition and she's going to watch me closely, you know, guns are out of the house and we just you know, I actually feel like, you know, this drug has injured me and now I just need help coming off and I'm going to do my best with non-pharmacologic treatments. I mean, that might be the way you would spin it if you are, you find yourself in this position with this drug injury where you actually do have pretty severe depression and anxiety, which is very common. Yeah. And yeah. this one's kind of controversial too. Like the, the provider who may be willing to help you, but they're kind of on the fence because they don't really understand the difference between physical dependence and addiction. And they're worried you're having withdrawal and sometimes withdrawal raises red flags in them and they start thinking addiction. You know, what do you think about like doctors? I guess if you need the medication, you don't really have a choice, but like I've heard of some people having to consent to urine drug screens to continue to get the prescription in order to taper or, you know, just suggesting like, you know, you're free to look into the, um, the monitoring, the PMP or whatever, where they can pull up and see that you haven't filled your yeah. benzo at, at other places, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you have to agree, agree to do like a urine drug screen, I mean, it kind of sucks because you'd have to pay for it. But it, I mean, if that's like less inconvenient than finding a new person, um, then, then that's, I, I would just go for it. If it, if it, if it helps that provider work with you and you'd rather not find another one, that's, that's all good. But yeah. this is, this is kind of where like um, really like family members can come in helpful because you know, what they're concerned about is uh, you, 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 what they're saying is like, I don't know if I can trust you on your own here telling me that you don't have, you know, problems with addiction in the past. Um, but if you have like a parent or a sibling or a spouse, there just saying, uh, you know, my husband is, he's never had any problems, you know, with addiction. He takes the dose just as prescribed. He always has. And, um, you know, really supporting your story. Yeah. He went through this withdrawal and now like, you know, he's got this, these inner dose withdrawal problems and things like that. And it's, it's completely new. Um, 
that's where you know the the support of loved ones and family members helps you know, it helps the physician because you know they can put in their note you know patient's history is not does not support you know problems with that they've had problems with addiction i have a low suspicion that they're diverting their drugs they're always taking them as prescribed this is supported by the wife you know it's it kind of will let them feel a lot more comfortable doing it and you may even you know if you come in that way even if you do have like a drug a drug use history and you might be on suboxone or maybe you've had problems with alcohol in the past I mean, you, you're already going to raise suspicion with that prior history, but if you have a loved one who's very credible and can come in and, and talk, yeah, I'm watching them. This is not happening. We really need help. I mean, yeah, you might be able to get away from doing drug tests and, and, and all of that. So yeah, yeah that, that's what I think about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to move into like, you know, finding a doctor, some suggestions? Um, have you come across any good resources for that? Yeah, well, uh, I think the best resource is your resource, Nicole, over at the Benjo Information Coalition. You have that 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 list of um, doctors by state, which is really good. Um, and then also there's the, you know, if you search surviving antidepressants, find a doctor, there's a thread there, which is like find a doctor, you know, therapist, you know, that are all wise to the withdrawal problems and you could kind of scroll through the 11 pages there and, you know, and, and, and go to like the most recent ones and kind of just see who people are going to and who people are recommending. Um, and then also there's, you know, there's a lot of Facebook pages out there for people who are going through withdrawal, you know, Symbolta hurts worse. I mean, there's a huge Facebook group. I think there's like 36,000 members in there. So you could also post in there, you know, anonymously, I live in this state, you know, who, who could help me with this and that, and they may be able to, to help you. There's countless other ones for benzo problems um, on Facebook. And, um, and so those would be the main ways. Can you think of any other, any others, Nicole? Yeah. The withdrawal project has something called connect on their website and you can, you can make a profile and put in your location and then you can search for other people by within, you know, like a certain radius of yourself and then send them a message. So you could message anybody within like 60 miles of you and say, Hey, do you have a, you know, do you have a doctor who's helping you? And I think compounding pharmacies are good resources because if they are compounding psychiatric meds for tapers for somebody, they'll know who the doctors are who are calling in those compounded drugs. And so you might just call up your compounder. You know, there's probably a couple within a driving distance of your house and just ask them what doctors are prescribing compounded benzos or compounded, you know, antidepressants, and then give them a call. And then I think lastly is like, just ask your social networks, ask your friends, your family. That's how I found my doctor. She was like the wife of a physician that somebody in my family knew. So you can network a little bit and see if anybody has any suggestions for you too. And that makes sense. I mean, if you have a, you know, a personal contact, I mean, you're, it's, it's like a warm introduction when you go into that doctor's office you know, they've already been told by, you know, that intermediary. Yeah, Nicole's a good person. I mean, she's never had any issues before, you know, nice family. You know, they're, they're going to be way more interested 
Well, they're going to take the time to listen to you, especially if you're coming in with something a bit more unusual. Yeah. And I took my dad with me, like you were saying, bring bring an advocate. My first appointment, I took him along and that was hugely helpful. I mean, I was in a state anyways, just, you know, I was not in a place to advocate for myself anyways. So I can attest that that's hugely helpful. Yeah. And what was that like? You know, the first, how did that relationship take off? Because I've heard you talk about her before and how, you know, she's fully like benzo wise now you've kind of you know fully educated her on it yeah I mean she didn't know anything about this really and but you know like I said my dad was there and he knew her husband who's a surgeon and she's a forensic psychiatrist so we had that connection and he just sort of said to her like I know my kid and this is not who she's ever been, you know, these drugs have made her this way and I've watched it happen. And so he sort of gave the history and everything. And I think because of that, you know, she was willing to learn and read and educate herself. And she read the Ashton manual and um, then she just started digging around and just sort of like developed a passion for it. And, you know, I'd go in and she would say, oh my gosh, it's the antidepressants too. Like it was like, she just was slowly, devouring the information and at one point she apologized to me even though she wasn't the one who prescribed the drugs and that was like hugely healing for me just to hear that like you know she's like I'm so sorry this happened and you know I didn't know I was prescribing these medications to people and I just thought like if something horrible like this was a possibility, I would have gotten a letter from the FDA or, you know, and she was like, I just, I didn't know. And so that sort of helped me, you know, get past that anger and rage that I harbored for a while at the original prescribing physician. But it was just time and us working together and developing a relationship and getting to know each other and you know, now I, I kind of laugh. It's sort of embarrassing. Like the the psych office calls to make an appointment or I call them and I guess it's caller ID and they're like, hey, like we just know each other like so yeah. well, at this, you know, at this point. So yeah, it's like a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm friends with so many compounding pharmacies because I'm putting in like orders every week at the, at the yeah. same one for some of my patients. It's me again, you, you know. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, gosh, Nicole, I, I I feel like we hit hit all the bases we wanted to talk about. Was there anything else that you think we missed? Um. You know, I just say the last thing I guess is like it may be kind of controversial, but you know. In the withdrawal support groups, there are like a handful or so of people who just are like, I have tried everything. I cannot find a doctor who will support me. And so they will, you know, sometimes be forced. They want off of the medication so bad that they sort of self-educate and they just continue getting a prescription for the drug uh, and they taper at home, you know, safely, they learn the techniques and and that kind of thing. It's obviously not ideal. It would be great for everybody to have a supportive provider, but um, you know, I guess sometimes people sort of just feel like they have to do what they have to do. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, we're, we're not 
you know, not recommending people do that. Like Nicole says, you know, ideally you always do it with someone, but that is, I mean, we have heard some people withdraw, you know, about how they had to withdraw themselves in that way. And it's, it's not ideal, but that's just kind of reality of what happens when, when you don't, when you can't find anyone. Um, and I guess, you know, the plug for my practice is, you know, if, you know, other things that can be helpful, like say, you know, you're not in one of the states where, where I'm seeing people, you could come to Utah, you know, and this could be like a consultation from your family medicine doctor to me. I could assess you, write you a report and then keep in touch with your family medicine doctor. And that would give them, I guess, the support to say, Hey, you know, this is not me doing this kind of crazy taper. You know, this is consultant Dr. Whit during advising me. And, you know, that might just be another thing to kind of knock them over the edge to say, you know what, this seems reasonably safe now that someone else is on board um, and saying that it's okay. Um, so I think this is probably a good, a good, a good place to, to wrap Nicole. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. I mean, your insights are good and I'm, I'm really, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you about these things. And, and this is kind of an ask for the audience, you know, in the comments below, tell us about some of the difficult situations that you've had with physicians. Um, you know, what happened? We'll integrate that into our next uh, talk that we have. We'll try and kind of think about different strategies that might help you address them. And um, yeah, any, any other comments and questions are always welcome below. We appreciate you supporting the channel. So yeah, great. All right. Well, thanks, Nicole, and you take care. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to see the full video interview, we also post these to YouTube. Just go to Wittering Psychiatry on YouTube to find those. You'll also find several YouTube exclusive videos from Drs. Yosef and Marissa posted several times a week. Finally, if you need help with your drug taper, getting a second opinion, or managing your post-acute withdrawal, come visit us at WittduringPsychiatry.com. Our sole focus is on helping patients regain control of their lives and achieve optimal mental health on as little medications as possible.